2: MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Unfortunately, coming to you after a Mavericks loss, a 121-118 loss to the Portland Trailer Blazers. Their four-game winning streak is snapped. Uh, Their chance to move to 500 for the first time in 8 million years will have to wait another another day. Uh, I'm recording tonight uh, for Kirk Henderson since Kirk was on the recap duty. Kirk, how are you doing?
1: oh man i'm frustrated i'm really frustrated
2: (laughs) i know i think i'm just gonna let you let you go right now because i think you just wrote three i love i always feel bad when you write recaps because i always i don't like how much you sometimes do on the site because you kind of do a lot and i wish sometimes you got some some breaks from that but i love the one thing i do love when you do The recaps and then we record the pod is that you were very like (laughs) your mind it's like the limit like you took the limitless pill or something like your mind is just full because you've you've taken i know you take notes out out during a lot of games but like you just wrote the recap this stuff is still like super fresh and like you were like at 100 percent efficiency level so you only wrote one point, normally we write a handful, and I think it was very proper for you to write one point in the recap, and it was about the Mavericks' very bad defense, so I don't know what to do, man. What are you, what are you thinking?
1: Well, let's talk big picture first. So on Friday, uh, at the Athletics Basketball Podcast, Seth Partnow and the guys who do the Nerdy Numbers stuff did an entire podcast on drop coverage. And the Mavericks employ drop coverage primarily because their anchor on defense, Kristaps Porzingis, is not a good defender in space. This was true. This has always been true. This is not really like a debatable point, and that's okay. He's seven foot three. To expect a seven foot three guy to defend well on the perimeter goes against a lot of physics. So the idea on drop coverage is that you play percentages, where you essentially are giving up longer shots and hoping that the de- and and basically playing percentages and hoping that the offense misses through 3 quarters tonight the uh Blazers shot 53% from 3 now not all those were on drop coverage but the the way that the the Mavericks were defending pick and roll you know they're letting somebody get into the defense and then kick out um and do things like that and frankly the the Blazers were are, are, are just shoot the ball outstanding versus the Mavericks Damian Lillard all, all obviously had 60 points against the Mavericks in the bubble it was just it's one of these things where they're playing the percentages they're playing and and teams are f- figuring out that with the fact that teams are getting better at shooting the percentages aren't really worth being played like this it's 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 no longer really the 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 um smart defensive decision over the long term that that teams thought it was you know two three years ago because guys are they're shooting more threes and frankly they're shooting them better um I saw something tonight uh, I, I want to say Mark Falwell talked about it on air where like the 25 three-point make games in NBA history there have only been like a you know probably like 15 or 18 and six of them have come this season so with the three-ball such a prevalent weapon, playing drop coverage does not—it just doesn't really make sense from a stat, like from a strategic point of view. And then the Mavericks just don't have the personnel to execute the way that they think they should. You know, we we really should also, before getting into kind of the heart of what I have a problem with, I don't understand bringing in Josh Richardson if you're going to let Dorian Finney-Smith, who is a valiant. Hard working, lengthy defender who absolutely gets torched by every <laughs> like it's it's you know, when you're playing the best guys in the league, I'm not sure what you're supposed to do, but I will tell you that three that they gave up there at the end, where Leward froze him with a shoulder shimmy and took a step back and just drained it beautifully. I earnestly believe that Richardson has happier feet, and in that instance would have been tighter. I don't know if it would have mattered because Dame is a world beater. He's an unbelievable basketball player. But I, I don't understand. Like, like, let's start with that first. Like, what is happening there? Like, why bring in Richardson for defense if you're going to put him on Gary Trent Jr. the whole game?
2: Yeah, that is something I am very confused about. Uh, I noticed it uh, the very first game of the season and then the uh, against the Suns, and then they did it again. They had Finney Smith on uh, Chris Paul. And you would think you would want Richardson, who was a little bit smaller but you know very you know quick of feet and maybe it's a little bit harder to screen than finney smith who's pretty lengthy uh, uh and lanky and you would think you would rather have richardson on the guy the the, the guy who is going to be dribbling through dribbling around a lot of screens uh mm-hmm. to try to stay attached to the hip of the offensive player more um and the metrics didn't do that with chris paul and in my mind i was like okay well chris paul is still obviously a very good player at, at his older years, but he's more deliberate and slower player than he was uh, when he first got into the league. So the thought is, okay, well, he's not probably going to be the type of guy that can beat Richardson uh, around the corner. Uh, so maybe you use uh, – he's not going to be able to beat Finney Smith around the corner, so maybe you use Finney Smith's length to try to bother him on those like pull-up pet shots that he likes. And then you save Richardson for Devin Booker, who Booker has – Uh, done very mean things to finney smith in the past but tonight yeah this is like you know the the bread and butter of the blazers is you put you know damian lillard in the pick and roll and lillard tries to dissect the defense with his ridiculous shot making and and the length that he can extend uh, his shot making too and he kind of bends defenses in a way that you know steph curry does and you would think you know with all those pick and rolls that the blazers run on the ball for lillard you'd I just don't know if that's fair to Finney Smith to ask him to be like, "Hey, you have to fight through a bajillion screens to stay next to Lillard when you know he's like a six eight guy with a long wingspan." When Richardson's a little bit smaller, and you can think he could stay closer. And I'm I'm totally with you there. I don't know what you know. The Mavericks have got to be seeing something that we're not, or it's something in practice, something in the data that we don't have access to because they have access to a lot more data than we do. Uh, right. And I'm just confused. Like you know, like it has to be something like that because it seems so obvious to us and we're just, you know, sitting on the couch and watching and it, it's like my mind can't accept that. It just can't be that simple or that quick of a fix because that it just looks even worse. But yeah, I'm not sure, you know, Josh Richardson played 25 minutes. He was three of seven from the floor o of three from three. He scored six points. Uh, if he is not, if he is guarding spot up shooters for half the game or three fourths of the game or however long it was, you're right. Like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> well, he,
1: he wasn't in the game for turnover reasons. Carl got sick of his sloppy ball handling and yeah. ganked him pretty early. And he wasn't going back. That's it's kind of a different deal, but I'm it's, it's just, it's very challenging to understand what the purpose is here, because when you look at how often every sit, and this is not, I'm wondering what they're teaching and what they're discussing philosophically defensively, because the Mavericks get beat and it's not just DFS. It's all of them get beat on straight line drives like it's it's middle school basketball clinics. And I, I you know, we're going to talk about Porzingis. And to me, Porzingis is the problem. But before he becomes the, like the, the you know, the, the above the fold, Chris Depp's Porzingis is bad on the front page. The fact that the rest of the team is also doing terrible is really maddening to me. There was a play to, in the first half where Maxi Kleba, who has just not looked right defensively, probably due to the COVID stuff. He got dunked on so hard by Carmelo Anthony that I, I was stunned where he beat him on a step through one power dribble, just blow right by him. And, and that's kind of emblematic of what's been happening to all of these guys. Not there's not a single Maverick defender that I feel all that comfortable with, and that includes Richardson. So maybe this is is just kind of a it's a you know a choice like it's it's a choice between no good options on the perimeter, and I, I I don't know what the Mavericks are doing here. They've been bad for weeks since January 20th. They have had the worst defensive rating in the league since Kristaps Porzingis came back. They've trended straight south now. Well, that obviously ties in with the, with the COVID guys being gone for like six games. So I, I really think what we have to do is, is draw kind of a line of demarcation. And whenever um, Dorian Finney-Smith and Jason, uh, geez, I do that every podcast, Josh Richardson comes back, that sort of needs to be where we're looking at data forward. And they're bad. It's and they're still not <laughs> They're not getting, the, the real challenge is that they're not getting better.
2: Yeah, Kirk, I'm looking at the schedule. Uh they have not allowed a team, they have not allowed under uh, the least amount of points they've given up since February 3rd. If I'm looking at this right is 116. Uh and that's a lot. That's 7 games. And if you're giving up 116 or more, I mean, I know, you know, I know looking at pure points per game is is a little foolish, but at a certain point the number gets so high that it's just like, come on. Uh that it that's hard to win um and i i pulled this as you were writing your recap because I, I felt like that this team has been really susceptible to these just massive quarters where they just get blown up uh, on the defensive end so i looked it up and so since february 3rd they've played seven games in those seven games they've given up 35 points or more in a quarter seven times including two 40 plus point quarters and I mean, 35 <laughs> is kind of a, like, at first you're like, well, that's only seven quarters and seven games. Like that can't, you know, but at 35 point, like a 35 point quarter or more, that's a lot. That's a big quarter. I don't care about the pace and, and possession. Like if you give up 35 and a quarter. That's a, that's a really bad defensive quarter. Uh, and that's like the type of outscoring outburst that like, if that happens in a game, like, and you're off, like you score 25 points in a quarter, which is like, okay, it's not, t- it's, it's it's not great, but all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, minus 10 for the quarter and you're down, you know, a close game is a blowout or a lead is now a tie game. Like these huge, these huge quarters are destroying them. And they had another one tonight. The Blazers scored 45 points in the third quarter. And you can look at the fourth and look at the Mavericks giving up 18 and being, you know, much more competitive, but that's why they lost the game. They gave up 45 points in a quarter. You can't do that. If it's even like it's a three point game, If they have, like, still a bad defensive quarter, but not, like, awful worst in the league type bad, and they give up, like, 31, 32, 30, they win the game. Uh, And that's what's crazy is, like, their offense has been so good, they've been able to withstand it, and they've won, you know, five out of their last seven games, which is, it's honestly pretty mind-boggling they've been able to put on this winning streak, this winning run, with the defense that is so outrageously horrible. Like it's not just like last year's Mavericks where like it was bad, but like they would show some signs here and there and, you know, they would maybe pick it up for a game or like, you know, this is a sustained run here. That's really bad. That's really frightening, uh, to be honest with you.
1: Well, I mean, it should be frightening because it's, you know, you win some home games, you get close to 500, you start getting excited and thinking, well, what happens is if they start playing better teams, they're just going to get the shit kicked out of them. And then we're going to go back to wondering, oh, what's the problem? What's the problem? And then people are going to be up in my mentions and mad at me again. You know, I had one guy tonight. He's a a follower. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't want to call him out or anything, but he's just like, you know, what, what if this is who KP is? You know, you just kind of have to accept that. Absolutely not. I do not have to accept this because <laughs> we've got you know, another let's talk, let's talk about the let's talk about the crux of the problem here. Yeah. Porzingis has been bad since I called him out on it and basically said I wanted him to be traded and has not shown anything on the defensive side of the ball to where he 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 is is improving. Offensively I would like to start there and say that he the Mavericks can deal with his inconsistent offense if He is a defensive
2: presence that matters. Which is what happened last season. Yes. Even when he was bad to start last season, and we were wondering, like, why isn't he making shots? He was still a a considerable impact on the defensive end. And that's why the Mavericks were able to win the amount of games they were able to win while he was still playing poorly. Because if you remember, he really didn't start putting it together offensively until end of january last year you know they played. they played some games in october november december and they were a pretty good team before that with his inconsistent offense because every night he was basically like a top five rim protector it felt like Um, and and that's not here that is gone
1: and this is where i would like to understand more because if he's concerned about contact if he has you know issues right now if if there's still a little bit of a, a you know you get as many injuries as he does, it's possible to have a a a, a concern about injuries. I, I don't want to take that, you know, that that's not something to be taken lightly. He, my, I, I, he may not trust his body. He may not trust his body. And I want to say I absolutely understand that, and I sympathize with it. But if that's the case, the Mavericks have to figure something out until he feels more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because he has been, this is not an exaggeration, of players who play 20 minutes or more in the NBA a night he has been the worst defensive player in the league. The worst by defensive rating metrics. He is awful right now. Yeah. I don't like the scheme that the Mavericks put him in, number one. I, I don't know how fair, like this drop stuff. You know, he did show high once or twice, and then, you know, Lillard just goes right around him. He's He's just not moving well on defense unless he's really, really motivated. And there were, you know, he let Dame go by him a couple of times and tried to hunt shot fakes and simply gave up layups. He was really, really unbelievably bad. And I I took a still, or I took a video of a shot that was late in the fourth quarter where Dame gets all the way to the rim. And let me say, let me be clear here. Dame gets all the way to the rim because Dorian Finney-Smith can't even slow him down, which goes back to what we talked about earlier of why Dorian is near him. He just blows by Dorian. And as a result, KP is standing in sort of the short corner position. His man is Derek Jones Jr. Who's standing in the corner. Derek Jones Jr. Is a 27% three-point shooter. And and KP is just flat-footed on his heels. Does not even try to make a shot block attempt. Now, there's two ways of looking at that specific play. Which I think is emblematic of kind of his defensive problems. Number one, he's not paying attention. Which is possible. Number two... He thinks he can get there and he's just not there physically in order to do that. That I think is probably the most likely thing. He's not a dumb player. Some of the mistakes that he has been making are, are, to me are of a guy who for lack of a better dis- discussion, like thinks he knows better, like thinks he has it in hand.
2: Is that, yeah, does that sound crazy? Thinks he has a gear that he can reach uh, that he cannot reach right now. I mean, you think about the way he moved on defense last season. I mean, he's been playing that, you know, he's been that much of an impact defender his whole, like, even in the Nick, you know, even if you can you know, say what you will about his offensive game when he played with New York, I mean, he was still that level of uh, an off-the-ball defender or a help defender. Like, that was never really an issue with him in New York, I don't think. Uh, you know, I could be off base there, but that was always, like, that's always been a part of his game, even when he's had his inconsistency with his offense and with his shot, with the injuries and stuff. So maybe he's like in his head, he's like, oh yeah, I've got the time. I can, I can, I can wait one extra beat here in the corner because, and then I can get to Lillard in the paint. And then his, he, he he's thinking that, and then his body just doesn't, maybe his body can't do it right now. Um, mm-hmm. there was another one, Kirk, uh, really floored me. I need I haven't rewatched it yet. I need to rewatch it. Uh it was toward the end of the game, you know, when the 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 Blazers, I think I guess they were up one and the Mavericks basically had almost no time. You know, There's like a two second differential uh between shot clock and the game clock. So they they were trapping, they were kind of running around, trying to get the ball, trying to force a turnover. And Derek Jones Jr., you know, catches the ball under the rim, has time to pump fake. And then lays it up and in. And as he's laying it up and in, you know, then you see KP coming in. And in my head, I'm like, where was he? Like, he, like, Dare Jones pump faked and he did not pump fake KP. He gave he up. Pump yeah, what he did. Yeah. Just, what he did is he gave up. And I hate to that. say that, but I, I watched it three times.
1: He stops. He's in the middle of the lane. He stops. And yeah. the game's on the line, buddy. You know, Port, uh, and. You know, and Luca earlier had really done his best to make him feel involved. Kicked out on an offensive, uh, he, hit, he had a wing three from the right right wing where Luca is at the rim, like just needs to lay it in. And he throws it out to KP for a three-point shot, which I didn't love. But he's including him. And then also finds him on a drive a little bit later when he probably could have gotten up a shot. And KP's, you know, Charmin Soft getting up there. I mean, the guy had a better game in terms of seeking out contact. But I just don't, like, I don't like watching him play. It is so weird. <laughs> and and uh, it's it's not, in, uh, it would be one thing if we would, like, see some signs of life. There was a, a series in the second quarter where him and Maxie, like, got, like, four blocks between them. And that was like, oh, yeah, maybe this is going to give them some some energy. And then it just didn't.
2: Yeah, Kirk. If you want to, I've been meaning to talk about this. I probably probably need to write about it because it's pretty remarkable. Um, he had eight free throws tonight. Mm. Uh, that is the most he's had in a game all season. Uh, second most is seven. He has not been above, other than those two instances, he has not been above five. Uh, he's only been above. He's been at five once, and then every other. So he's been eight. He's got a game with eight free throws. A game with five free throws. A game with seven free throws and then every other game that he's played in the season is four four or less. Um yeah. per 36 minutes, uh he is averaging uh three and a half free throw attempts per game. Last season that was five point six last healthy season in you know last season in New York before he got injured six point four. Uh his free throw rate, Kirk is 17.4%. Uh it was 30 last season And it was 30 the last season, uh, in New York. Uh, this is, that is huge. Like that is such a giant drop-off. I mean, it's basically been cut in half from what he was last season. And if you look back at KP's games, uh, last year, he got to his points and when he really started to turn it on, because he was able to get guys in rough spots and get them to foul him, whether it's through pump fakes, getting to the basket, stuff like that. Uh, And that really helped with the score, you know, with his scoring because he really still was a little bit of an inconsistent shooter, even when he picked it up last season. But he really got to the line a lot more as the season progressed. Maybe that happens again, you know. We've still got a lot of season left, but man, 2.7 free throw attempts per game in the month of January, 3.3 per game in Feb, like for your 7 3 center. And I know that he's not just a 7 3 center, he shoots threes, but still, like, he's got he's got to find his way into some easier baskets. Uh, And that just, I don't know if it's him not seeking out contact. I don't know if it's the way he's been, the style that they're playing or the way, the way he's getting shots. But that to me is a little emblematic of like, when you're trying to look at what's the difference between last season and this season, I mean, his free throw, the rate of his free throws is, cut in half and that's huge well and
1: a lot of that was on like rim rolls and dives where he would get stuff and they're just you know for whatever reason they just don't get that that often it seems like maybe once a game where something like that happens and I really wasn't going to kill the guy on offense but
2: yeah, he was you know, okay
1: he was okay in the yeah. third though like this is where it's so tricky to me Luka Doncic was on absolute fire he scored at least 10 points in every quarter okay <laughs> he had 44 points and he scored 10, you know, he had like 13, 11, 10, and 10 the whole way through. And I know that, you know, nobody, the people who compare him to James Harden drive me nuts, but he does his best to get other people involved. And he went six minutes in the third quarter without a shot attempt as Richardson and, and you know, Chris Stapps tried whatever version of basketball they thought they were playing. And Porzingis just, it's, it's tricky because I, I understand why people are like, oh, well, you know, the guards just aren't getting him the ball. Well, I wouldn't trust him with the ball either in a lot of these circumstances. What happened in the fourth where he wasted a possession because Mello essentially bully balled him all the way out to the corner and stripped him repeatedly. Like, we have to stop with the post ups. It, it's not only is it not a good play, he's also not good at the not good play. The stuff is silly. It, it's it's not it's it's a it's what you said to, it was either the last podcast or the one before you said the the fact that they have to get him going is a, is, is the whole problem.
2: Yeah. And, and I think, and I think it's, it's not just that it's, they have to get him going, but the way they get him going seems to be such a different style of what, like, it's like, t- it's like the team transforms into something completely different. And they turn into like a word, you know. It's it's just so it's not within the flow. Like when it's like get KP going, it's not just okay. Let's do what we're doing, but get him shots. It's like no, let's stop what we're doing and try to focus on getting him these ball, getting him the ball on these uh, on these uh, what do you call these when he's pinning his opponent down and and, you know near the near the restricted area. Like it just kind of everything stops. There's no picking the pick and roll games dries up. You know, Luca standing around a lot uh it's just not it's just a different type of basketball that i don't think suits this team very well uh and they kind of slow down you know almost it feels like once a quarter just to try this out and then they kind of get their their bell rung a little bit and then they go back to doing what what they do best uh so yeah that sucks
1: yeah i mean it was just a really wonky game on on yeah. the offensive end luco was obviously good and then
2: everybody it might have been else one of, kind of his of best games man yeah he, he, he was, was really good 14 efficient. of 20 Yes. He took 20 I'm, shots and missed six. I don't think that's happened a lot for him in his career.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be the only thing I'm going to be interested in is if, if, if on the last two minutes report, if they think that Melo issued an offensive foul, I could see that kind of going either way. Like, I get why yeah. the ref didn't call it. It's the same thing that we were talking about the other, uh, when the, the Mavs beat the, uh, beat the Hawks. It's like the refs aren't, aren't going to call stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, You know, defense is such an interconnected, team-based thing, and the pieces just are not working right. Who would have thought that Luca would be playing better defense than he is, even though he still gets lost from time to time, and then everybody else is just – it just isn't working. It's just not working. I mean, I I hoist a lot of it on KP, and a lot of it is on KP, but he's not – like, it's not like he's on an island here
2: yeah I mean you know it would help k p out a lot, not uncontested line drive straight at him like yeah that that would help him a lot, uh and he's not even getting that, so it's like you said it's it goes both ways the amount of the amount of times that the mavericks get blown by off the dribble without any action is just it's a little unsettling, and I know that that is a stat uh I know teams keep that as a stat. I've heard you know the zach Lowe's and and stuff say that teams keep a keep track of like blow when a guy gets. Mm you know, taking off the dribble off the perimeter. And I would imagine that that number is not looking good for the Mavericks this season. But
1: just, just, I'm yeah. just not sure where to go. I just, yeah. I don't know what to talk about. I, It's
2: you know, really I, weird I, how good the offense has been though. Like I, I didn't think that this team had this type of run of games in them. Uh, it's, no. it's kind of remarkable that they've been scoring as well as they have Kirk, if they were, if they were like a little bit off on their offense and their offense has been like crazy good. we be talking about it is that like could you imagine what the record would be if their offense wasn't as good as it's been last week they they might be 10 games under 500 right now
1: well i mean let's let's be clear about the the offense when I mean, when what you're talking like the the mavericks have scored 248 points in their last two games Luka Doncic just <laughs> scored 90 i know so just, what if he what scores we we're, we're talking about Luca being yeah. good at the offense.
2: I know. Wait, hey, some of these guys, are, you know, Dorian's made more shots lately. Like <sighs> Some guys are making more shots. It's I really... hated
1: that for Dorian. I really did because yeah. you know Luca's trusting him on offense, and and then it just doesn't work out on the other end. And it's two games in a row he's hit a big, big shot. Yes. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't. Well, it's just a frustrating loss it is because know they really you know they 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 have a few more until they have a few more until the break look's see serious serious four they have eight more games until the break uh, and it's it's um some of the teams are not great you know they, they the probably their toughest matchups are gonna be Philadelphia and Brooklyn but they still have some winnable contests if they come out and play but you know they they just have these games where they're either not hitting shots or they're not engaged offensively, and and you know if they lose, you know Pistons are Pistons are a feisty bunch. Like they
2: they're you know, not they going to roll up, over. They put up shots. Yeah, I'm looking at that Memphis, Boston, Philly, Brooklyn stretch. I'm like, boy, they got to get you know that makes Detroit, Houston, Orlando, OKC those four games like mm-hmm. imperative. And hey, I wonder <laughs> the defense has been so bad, and they get they get two two days off in a row for the first time in a very 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 long time and so that means they get practice time i would imagine and yeah. you can only imagine what rick carl is going to want to be doing during that practice time. yeah, only so got, we'll yeah it's
1: only only detroit and houston this week that's yeah. it that's it yep. that's wild well wow. those
2: are huge games i don't got anything else i
1: gotta figure out our schedule for the week
2: yeah that's about it i'd just it's 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 getting really weird because when they were losing uh it was hard for us to talk about what else to talk about besides like hey guys are missing shots cuz like cuz they were just in a horrible shooting slump with the guys out from covid and then the guys who were playing were just not making anything and now it's like almost the other way where the you know they're still winning but after every game we're like Defense? Like <laughs> like it's it's just kind of funny how they've gone from one broken record to another. Uh, and hopefully they can smooth it out at some point here before uh before it gets too the hole gets too big. But uh I think that's about it. Uh Kirk has the recap up. We will we've got some other stuff in the pipeline. Uh like Kirk mentioned, we only have two games left uh in this week, so we're gonna try to fill that time with some content for you guys and maybe we'll try to get some of uh, maybe me or some other writers maybe look in the defense a little bit more i don't know but keep checking the site all week despite the fact that there's not as many games we'll have good stuff up for you so for josh and kirk uh this is another edition of maz Moneyball after dark again mavericks lose to portland trailblazers 121 118 we will talk to you guys a wednesday night after the trick game